Therese Paler, welcome to Wavemaker Conversations, the annual, your, your second time on our annual How to Watch the Super Bowl Better Than Your Friends edition. That's right. I'm glad to be back. I enjoyed our first conversation. Well, our first conversation was a person in Atlanta after a heartbreaking Kansas City Chiefs missed the Super Bowl by one drive. Right. Here you are with a lot of reason to smile. That's right. That's right. Um, mainly because I live in the city of Kansas City. I'm not Chiefs fan per se. Um, you know, I'm a reporter. I grew up in Detroit. So like if I were you know, if I had to classify my NFL loyalties anywhere, it's, it's with the Lions because I grew up there. But, you know, you I've lived in Kansas City for 14 years now, 15 years now. And uh, I'm so happy for the people here because I know how much their football team had put them through for so long. So it's just kind of cool to see them go from basically the team that never had the great quarterback and never won the big game to basically the team that always wins the big game with the great quarterback. It, it gives hope from fans of other franchises. It gives hope to fans of other franchises who are in the spot the Chiefs used to be in, including my hometown team. I have not watched a single NFL game this season. So mm -hmm. I am coming to this game like I'm from another planet. What are we about to watch and what should we be looking for? Well, Tom Brady is the Bucks quarterback and, you know, he's the greatest football player of all time. His six championship rings define that, his litany of awards, his uh, rare ability to bring teams back from deficits and almost always win in the big game. That, that separates him from the rest of the pack. What's interesting about this game is that now, like head to head, he's basically going to face um, a young quarterback in Patrick Mahomes for Kansas City, who I believe has a chance to one day usurp him of that claim, right? Um, very rarely in pro football do you get past the torch games between the greatest of all time. But I do think that if Patrick Mahomes can beat Tom Brady, he'll have six Super Bowl rings to Brady's, he'll have two Super Bowl rings to Brady's six. And it's conceivable that over the next 10 to 15 years, Mahomes can tie him in terms of rings. And if that's the case, I think we could end up looking at this game as a sort of tiebreaker in a decade or two about which player was greater. So there's actually a lot on the line here if Mahomes fully fulfills his potential. You know, if he gets to five Super Bowl wins and Brady has six, you know, how much is this one worth? They're playing head to head. You know, it's, it's about legacy for people who are football dorks like me. And, you know, the, the, the matchup is gonna be great because of, A, it's two great teams who play an exciting style of football, but B, these are, arguably the two biggest names in the game right now facing off in the biggest game at the same position with historical ramifications. This does not come around every year or even every five years or even every 10 years. Like this is a rare thing. So it should be pretty great. And with that historical perspective, here's why I came to you this time. Uh, I actually had my, my producer do some research. Is there any interesting themes in the Super Bowl? And uh, he came up with your article, Eric Bieniemy still isn't an NFL head coach and every excuse why falls flat by you, Therese Paler, just That's this right. past week. Because of your article, I'm now going to be looking at the sidelines at this offensive coach, Ed, Eric Bieniemy, uh, on the Kansas City side. I'm going to be looking at him. I'm going to be thinking about him. Why is he an important figure? How does he relate to what we're going to be seeing on the field? in a league where it's become more offensive heavy than ever, right? More points scored. The rules are tilted that way. Like the league has become more offense oriented than ever. 
So what have teams and owners tried to do? They try to hire as head coaches people who specialize in offense. That makes sense, right? Specifically people who work with the quarterback, right? Because um, the quarterback is the most important position on the field. Over the last three years, the enemy's been their offensive coordinator, and that has coincided also with the rise of Patrick Mahomes, who I mentioned earlier, who is amazing and certainly has a ton to do with that success, but it's not all Mahomes, just like the coaching isn't all Andy Reid, right? So my point is, here's a guy who checks all the boxes as far as on like the, the style of play he wants to coach, the people he's been around, his ability to motivate and honestly correct guys and still have them love them. That's a pretty hard thing to find in today's day and age because people don't like being told they're wrong, right? Um, he, he checks all these boxes. He's been a part of a prolific offense. And yet still, he's about to go into year four as a Chiefs offensive coordinator, maybe two Super Bowl rings without a head coaching job in a league that values offense more than ever. People generally, Michael, are mystified why he can't get a head coaching job in this league when he seemingly checks all these boxes. And there's a lot of frustration from African-American coaches who both know him personally and those who don't. And that column was a reflection of that and the people I talked to who aren't just black, by the way, who just don't understand it. But here's what I do know. Men like being to me understand this. Sometimes you don't get what you're supposed to get when you're supposed to get it. You get it when it happens. But oftentimes when it comes late, you're better prepared for it than you otherwise would have been. So I know that Eric being me for a fact, I know for a fact when the time comes for him to be a head coach, he will be ready for that opportunity. I think he'll do a great job. I'm just going to let you basically riff on what you see and maybe how what we see in these still photos might translate into what we can look for on the big day. Sure. So Mahomes, number 15, is one of the best quarterbacks in football, one of the best players at football, at avoiding these guys coming after him. He's unbelievable at it. Like, watch it. Like, he, he when, when, when defensive players get around him, he normally just runs away from him and throws strikes, which isn't that common, right? There's some interesting things about that in this game, though. He's got a toe injury, which might limit his mobility which means that these guys that you see around him right now might actually be able to get around him in this game. All right. And that's going to change the game. By the way, is it his right toe? Is it his right foot toe or left foot toe? It's his right foot toe. Yeah. So which, might, which is, which he's leaning on right there. Exactly. Right. It might affect how he plays right now. It didn't in the last game. He was unbelievable, but you know, if, if there were, if he were to get hurt again in a similar way to how he got hurt in the first place two weeks ago, that could, that could affect the game. There's also this. You know, every offensive line, the guys who are charged with protecting the quarterback has five players. All right, well, the Chiefs offensive line, let's say these are the five. This guy, the right, the right tackle, and this guy, the left tackle, they're hurt. So these are backups in, okay? And the four guys that will be lining up across for them, from them are unbelievable. They're really good. So there's a scenario where there's more pressure on him, on Mahomes than normal, and he can't move around like normal, which would give Tom Brady a chance to win the game. That's what it would take, in my opinion. That is a now, all right, this is complicating things for me because now I'm going to have my eyes peeled 
on those two right, on the right tackle and the left tackle, which brings me back, you know what, to my final question. You said earlier, the quarterback is the most important position in the game. A few years ago, I got obsessed with the role of the center. The center is somebody we never pay attention to unless he messes up a snap. But there's more to the job of a center than that. What should we be looking for? If we want to just take one or two plays to focus on the center, what should we look for? Well, the guy for Tampa Bay, the center for Tampa Bay, he has long hair. He wears number 66. His name is Ryan Jensen. And he is incredibly nasty. He is an aggressive player that plays with a lot of aggression again. I wish I could have found a different word, but he, it, I can't really think of a different one because that's what he plays with. Watch him on a handful of plays and he finishes his blocks. Um, he makes other players who go against him angry because of how aggressively he finishes his blocks. He's a really good player. He'll be in white, number 66 with long hair. He's really good at what he does. Going back to coach Bienemy, who used to shout on, and during the practices you saw on the sidelines, he would say, finish, finish. How can we tell when a player does a great job finishing and when he were it not, if he had just finished, it could have turned into a blowout play. Yeah, when they play through the whistle. So when the whistle ends and you see a player still, still like competing through the whistle, it's like finishing the round in boxing. Like they ringing the bell and you still taking your shots. You finish that. Now you don't go too far. If you go too far, you'll get whist- you'll get you know penalized for it. But that's how you that's how you measure it play through the whistle. Don't stop trying really, really hard until the whistle blows. And even when the whistle blows, just a little extra to prove a point. 